Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Download the all-access, all-in-one Grizzlies mobile app, now featuring Grind City Media news and notes on all things Grizzlies, NBA, and more. Get three experiences with one app, including a fresh Grizzlies look and feel, along with access to FedEx Forum events and those sweet Grind City Media podcasts. This new app has it all. Upgrade your experience and download the Grizzlies app today at the App Store and Google Play. Morant with a running start. Elevate. Oh, it dunks. Oh, my goodness. Tie game in overtime. Gasol will turn his heat. It's good. It's on top. 17 Finally, now with three. Count it. A 15 point lead for Memphis. And Blake Griffin gets into it on the floor with Randolph. Hard to tell if there are any punches being thrown under there, but Griffin took exception to something. The officials break it up quickly. Griffin. See, he just locked his arm and then kind of pulled him over. Zach falls down. And then, you know what? A little elbow there. Oh, he's digging the elbow. Yeah, you know. Welcome to Grits and Grinds, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. My name is Keith Parrish. I went on a brief vacation. I hope you were able to get enough Grizzlies news and analysis while I was gone. Hopefully you didn't even miss me. I pre-recorded the episode that came out on Monday, hoping that it wouldn't really uh, cause any gap in the release schedule. But there were things that happened over the past few days that I will now uh, respond to that I thought were very, very interesting, uh, affecting the Memphis Grizzlies, who are clearly you know, coming up on the start of the regular season, the first Grizzlies regular season game is next Wednesday night, October 20th. They have one preseason game. They're playing at the Bulls on Friday night. Perhaps it will be a sort of a dress rehearsal. I don't know. They have not released the injury report for the Friday game. The game on Wednesday against the Pacers was a very entertaining affair with the Grizzlies resting 10 of their regular players. John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, all resting. Kyle Anderson, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, resting. Dylan Brooks out with his left hand fracture recovery. And that's the big news of the last few days. There's some interesting things that I'll go over from the preseason game against the Pistons and also against the Pacers that I think can inform what's going to happen in the upcoming regular season. But the big news for the Grizzlies right now is Dylan Brooks is out for the first two to three weeks of the regular season, possibly. Or at least he's going to be reevaluated two to three weeks from the date 
of this announcement, which was on Wednesday the 13th. So I guess he'll be reevaluated sometime between October 27th and November 3rd, which puts that about a week or two weeks into the regular season. Now, the press release says that, you know, while doing, I guess, a full body scan as part of their normal return to play procedure, they decided the imaging on the left hand looked like it needed two to three more weeks of time to heal properly. You know, how does it affect the Grizzlies on the court? Maybe it won't at all. It'll definitely affect who plays in the first week of the season. It'll affect the opening night starters. It'll affect uh, maybe some fantasy basketball. Uh, Maybe go ahead and get Melton. Maybe some more minutes for Kyle Anderson. Maybe John Conchar actually cracks the 10-man rotation with Dylan on the bench. But with Dylan out, I guess we can look back to the past two games. You had the game, like I mentioned, on Wednesday night against the Pacers where uh, they rested 10 players, the Grizzlies did, and they still had a very, very, very close game against the Pacers who were playing most of their regulars. And then the game on Monday night against the Pistons, home game against the Pistons, Pistons were missing Cade Cunningham, but the Grizzlies just drilled the Pistons, and it was a very promising performance for most every Grizzlies player who played in that game. The Pistons game was interesting, I thought, because John Conchar started. He got his first career start, regular season or preseason, and it was him alongside the regular guys you expect, where it was John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams with Conchar. They didn't let DeAnthony Melton start again. My reasoning or my thinking of why they did this is because they do intend to have DeAnthony Melton play on the bench. So they wanted to perhaps normalize those units that are probably going to play together when fully healthy. The guess has been, once we found out that Kyle Anderson was definitely coming off the bench, the guess has been that it's going to be Dylan and Bain on the wings for the starters. Whether or not that should be the case is another question. But if it's going to be those guys, then let's get Melton accustomed to his customary bench role. And so thus, maybe Conchar, you know, you saw him take Dylan Brooks's spot in the starting lineup. Conchar had another very, very nice game in the starting lineup. It was very interesting. He started and he didn't shoot a field goal attempt. He did not attempt a field goal until the fourth quarter where he took and made his only field goal attempt of the game. It was a three-pointer, but he was just a nice kind of fifth guy out there. If you were watching closely, the Pistons' defense was a mess. They The Pistons struggled this whole game. They got in the bonus, I think, a minute and seven seconds into the first quarter. I've never seen that. Or they got the Grizzlies into the bonus. They got, them, they got in the penalty that quickly, committed five team fouls in 67 seconds, and were never competitive. But I was saying, like, they didn't play very good defense, but I was monitoring... Like, would teams guard Conchar closely if he's out there, like, as a spacer? They did not. They honestly didn't guard him at all in the corner. But the Grizzlies got whatever they want that whole game, so it's hard to really uh, assess how things are going. So far this preseason in the games that John Morant has played, the Grizzlies have been tremendous. Their offense has been really, really good. They've scored at least 30 points in all three first quarters when John Morant plays and the starters play. They've won each of the first halves. They, they were ahead of the Bucks, 55-47. to 47. And then what they were ahead of the Hornets by 30 at halftime, 73-43. to 43. And then they put up 70 against the Pistons as well, 70-46 to 46 at halftime, where just everything was clicking. And this team, the Grizzlies as a whole, have looked 
amazing for most of the preseason, especially when John Moran plays. His plus-minus is unbelievable. It's certainly spectacular. His per-minute production has been off the charts. But if you remember, his per-minute production in the preseason last year was kind of remarkably big. Uh, he just goes in the preseason. He says he never goes half speed. He, If he's out there, he's going to go 100%. Maybe some people aren't doing that, and he is. For whatever the reason, preseason production John Morant is massive, and we're seeing that yet again, and it's making the Grizzlies look very, very nice in the preseason. Even if you count the games that John Morant didn't play, the Grizzlies are one of the best preseason teams in overall net rating. They have one of the best defenses in preseason. Again, just preseason basketball, but according to Cleaning the Glass, even if you throw out the garbage time, the Grizzlies are only allowing 92 points per 100 possessions, which is amazing. That is fantastic defense. There are a few other teams who are doing even better this preseason, but that is a spectacular defensive performance from the Grizzlies so far. The other thing that was very interesting about the rotation in the Pistons game. So you had Conchar in the starting lineup and you've moved Melton to the bench, but the rest of the bench unit, Zaire Williams didn't play this game. He was held out for soreness or so we were led to believe, but he didn't play. And so the second unit actually featured Kyle Anderson playing the three. They played a bigger second unit. They played Tyus Jones with De'Anthony Melton and then Kyle and then Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman. Now, this is a five-man second unit that I thought was a pretty good idea. I talked about this in the offseason, that I thought Kyle Anderson can play the three as long as Steven Adams is in the center. I think Kyle Anderson at the three works just fine if your front court, the other front court pieces are Jaron or Brandon or Xavier. And so we saw in this game... And I think it makes sense if you just talk about who are the best players in a vacuum. I think Tillman and Clark are both more advanced or better than Zaire Williams or John Conchar, and definitely better than anybody else. I mean, Jarrett Culver, come on now. The problem with doing this, though, is that eventually, if you mesh the first unit and the second unit, it becomes a little more cramped and awkward with Kyle out there. But in this game, it worked out perfectly, and that second unit just smashed people. And then you had moments where Jaw would come back in, with Kyle at the three, while you had Brandon at the four, and then Jaron at the five. And this is quite literally the dream lineup from two years ago. This is the 2019-2020 dream lineup that we talked about. I don't know how many of you were listeners back then, but this was the, we want John Morant, DeAnthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. We want those five guys to play together. They only played 23 possessions together, their first season, that first season, 2019-2020, and the net rating was plus 121. Again, I'm legally required to tell you that that's a meaningless statistic because it's only 23 possessions. But the idea being, this is what the this was the lineup I wanted to see the most. This is before Dylan Brooks made a bunch of positive steps and became such a lockdown defender before he got under control. I thought this was one of the Grizzlies' better lineups. This is when we were so optimistic about the idea of Brandon and Jaron playing in the front court together. And every opportunity they've had, it's very, very small. It always works. And we got that lineup in this preseason game. They outscored the Pistons 11-3. to three. The three points the Pistons scored were all free throws, a delay of game, and one shooting foul. So essentially, they allowed the Pistons you know, two points. I'm not counting that delay of game. 
It was an 11 to two run. Um, adding to whatever the net rating is. I'm pretty sure that keeps the net rating over 100 if you outscore your opponent 11 to 2 in three minutes. But even ignoring like that really big number that's absurd and doesn't mean anything, the data set we have of Kyle playing the three with Jaron and Brandon as your four fives, we do have more examples of that. Those guys played together 264 possessions in 2019-2020. They played 264 possessions of a front court of Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark, plus 23.4 points per 100 possessions. This is something I cited constantly uh, over the last, like, like a year ago and two years ago, that people said, hey, Kyle does not work well as a three. It was like, well, he works well at a three if he has athletic wings who can kind of stretch it, or athletic bigs who can kind of stretch it on the court with him. And all the stuff we saw of Kyle Anderson playing a three with Jaron and Brandon was great from the 2020 season. Now they didn't play a single possession together last year. Obviously Jaron missed most of the whole season. And then Brandon, by the time Jaron returned, uh, Brandon had fallen out of the rotation because they would either play Xavier Tillman or Brandon Clark. They never played both Xavier and Brandon while Jaron was available. So it was exciting for me. It was a blast from the past in this Pistons game to see that front court again of Kyle Anderson with Jaron and Brandon reemerge and be good and be good again. And I think it's kind of opened up this question mark of what the Grizzlies are going to do. Now that Dylan Brooks is out, what do you do on that second unit? Is it a question of playing Brandon Clark, who's been really good this preseason, like playing Brandon Clark over Zaire Williams or and or John Conchar? If Bain and Melton are both healthy, the Grizzlies are either going to start Bain and Melton with the regular three, or they might do what they did against the Pistons and actually start John Conchar. Conchar has played so well this preseason. His rebounding, his offensive rebounding, his defense, the way he gets his hands on balls on defense, getting steals, getting blocks, getting deflections, the way he's passing on offense, and he's hitting shots when it's his turn to shoot. He's making a fair percentage of them. We also saw him play great in Summer League. What I found very, very interesting, I felt like he's done a really, really nice job this preseason, making over half of his field goals, hitting 38% of his three-pointers. He doesn't shoot a lot of them, but he makes them. Like, all his numbers, essentially, his shooting percentages, his good shooting percentages, his steals and blocks, his assists, his offensive rebounds, they are consistent based off this preseason based off the minutes he played in the regular season last year, based off the minutes he played in the regular season his rookie year. This guy has consistently produced every time he's played. The question is then, at what point, what's the tipping point where, you know, the returns don't pay off? Or if he's playing against even better players where he starts looking quite bad. It hasn't happened yet. On Wednesday night, we saw him playing well, playing point guard, being guarded by TJ McConnell, going up against Pacer starters and doing a good job. We saw him his rookie season making some plays against LeBron James and Dwight Howard. This guy has stepped up every time he's gotten a chance. Will he get a bigger chance? And that's the incredibly difficult part for this coaching staff. In the preseason, there are no easy answers for me as far as like, you know, your top 11, 12 guys. Everyone has looked pretty nice. Everyone has done, as far as I can tell, what's been asked of them. We don't know behind the scenes, what the coaching staff is specifically working on and highlighting and telling the players, you know, what to do. But like you go top to bottom here, 
the people fighting for playing time, like Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark has been excellent this preseason. He's a good player. Even with his shooting struggles last year, he was a positive impact guy. I think he, he clearly, all right, I will admit he clearly killed some lineups last year when his shot was nowhere to be found. Him and Justice Winslow had a, had a few like five-man units that, that really struggled at times. But like Clark is a good defender, and he's an active body, and he moves well on offense and defense. He's not going to harm you when he's out there. So if you have Clark who's playing well, you have Conchar who's playing well, and then Melton and Bain just crushed the preseason. Like Both of them were awesome. D'Anthony Melton's game against the Pistons was fantastic. His shooting numbers were not spectacular, only 4 for 11 overall. But he was rebounding everywhere. He was passing. He had so many great assists. I mean, he finishes with 16 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals in 22 minutes. Another just spectacular game from D'Anthony Melton, looking like a perfect backcourt mate for John Morant. Chris Harrington over the Daily Memphian wrote a piece like, you know, who should start over Bain or Melton? I don't think it's a massive decision for the Grizzlies. I think either one, there are good options. I've long maintained that I think Melton is a better overall player. Bain is a better shooter. Just preseason numbers, they're scoring at essentially the same rate, the same per minute rate. D'Anthony Melton, 22.3 points per 36. Desmond Bain, 21.9, so essentially the same. Desmond Bain has a better field goal percentage. But on three-point percentage, they're both shooting 43.5% on threes in the preseason. Melton getting up nearly 11 per 36 minutes. Bain getting up about 9 per 36. Melton's getting to the line. Desmond Bain is not getting to the line. De'Anthony Melton is a much better rebounder, a much better defender. They're both creating some nice assists. Melton averaging 4.6 assists per 36. Desmond Bain averaging 4 assists per 36. But here's the thing. Desmond Bain is turning the basketball over. De'Anthony Melton is not turning the ball over. De'Anthony Melton in the preseason, this is something he's clearly worked on because they've had him handle the ball like last season. They were forcing him into situations where it felt like, hey, the safer thing to do is to have Melton not try to handle, not try to attack the defense, not try to probe, not try to run pick and rolls. Like, if you just have him be a 3 and D guy, he can be very effective. He's not going to make any mistakes. But they pushed him last year at times, and Melton made mistakes. Well, like, maybe we're seeing some benefits of that right now. In the preseason, he's averaging less than one turnover, less than one turnover per 36 minutes. 0.9 turnovers per 36 minutes. He has a 4-to-1 steal-to-turnover rate. Not assist-to-turnover rate. He has a 5-to-1 assist-to-turnover rate, but a 4-to-1 steal-to-turnover rate. That's remarkable. And like I said, I don't think it matters if Bain does start over him as long as he's getting those minutes. And based on this preseason, we've seen so many Ja and De'Anthony Milton minutes together, and it's so encouraging because that's all I harped on last season. We have to have more minutes of those two guys playing together. And lots of it is a result of Dylan Brooks being out. And now we know Dylan Brooks is going to be out for a little bit more. So when Dylan Brooks comes back, as long as they're able to integrate everyone and keep those Melton minutes high, I think the Grizzlies can be really good. I think they can exceed those expectations. I don't see any, any reason why they wouldn't be fi over 500. I know they're Vegas over-under. It's real close to, to being at 41s where they are most places. So they're predicting to be like ninth place with the 500 record, 41 and 41. If they're fully healthy, I would assume that, you know, 
they're going to be better than that. Because John Moran's going to be awesome, and all the rest of these guys are going to step up. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. in the game against the Pistons, one of the best games we've seen from him in a long time. I'll, uh, I'll break that down and then talk about the Pacers game right after this short break. Grizzlies fans, do not miss opening night. It is time this Wednesday, October 20th at 7 p.m. The Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and my guy, D'Anthony Melton, will host the Cleveland Cavaliers, arrive early to enjoy all the opening night festivities, plus the first 10,000 fans will receive a free Beale Street Blue t-shirt. So get Memphis, get over to the FedEx Forum, get your tickets today by calling 901-888-HOOP or clicking grizzlies.com. So against the Pistons, like I was saying, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a very nice game. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 3 of 6 from 3, made 7 of his 14 shots. Also, 2 steals and 1 block. That is the thing that we Grizzlies fans have been hoping for. We're seeing his rebound numbers go up, just raw rebound numbers. You know, the rebound numbers have always been a bit overblown because it's about his role, as I think most of you guys know. He spends his time on the perimeter. We don't really care that he averages only five rebounds per game. Maybe half of all NBA rebounds, if not more, are totally uncontested. As in whoever standing there gets the rebound. It's not a big deal who gathers them all in. We assumed his numbers would go up just by playing with Steven Adams, who's one of the best guys in the league at boxing out. Like Jonas Valanciunas is an incredible rebounder. He's incredible at getting the, the rebound for himself. Steven Adams boxes guys out. So, so you know, maybe Jaron's just getting him from the benefits of playing with guys who are very good at boxing out and not having Jonas there to kind of vacuum up all the available rebounds. But we are seeing the rebound totals go up so far in the preseason. He's averaging right around eight rebounds per 36 minutes in his first three seasons. He was closer to five total rebounds per per 36 minutes. Now, I don't know if his defensive rebound percentage on contested rebounds has gone up or anything. That's something to monitor if he can do that, but you also assume with him getting older and stronger and bigger that he will be able to be a little bit tougher when he's in the lane with a bunch of other defenders or rebounders that he's fighting for that loose ball. But so far, early returns, he is at least picking up some more rebounds. And the offensive game in this Pistons matchup was just so smooth, looks so comfortable, under control. It, again, kind of fuels the hype and the excitement that I think Grizzlies fans are, are feeling right now like everything kind of is falling in place possibly for this Grizzlies team. I mean, I almost feel like I forget to talk about John Moran. I know I mentioned earlier how his per minute production in the preseason is just absurd, but it was the same thing in this game. I mean, he played 26 minutes and his plus minus a plus 36. I think he was nine of his first 10 field goals. He's hitting all these little pull up, these little mid range jumpers. If he adds that to his game consistently, that he's going to be an even more formidable offensive player. And these Grizzlies are going to be maybe fighting to get out of the play in range, maybe looking at that possible six seed. I still think it's more likely they're like a seven, eight, nine team. But with what they're doing now, depending on so many young guys, basically Kyle Anderson and a bunch of super young guys, that this team is taking some much better steps and could be better, definitely better than they were last season, despite everyone's anguish. That's anguish in quotation marks. It's not my anguish. 
the people getting upset over losing Grayson Allen and Jonas Valanciunas, based on what we've seen in the preseason, with all the caveats that apply there, uh, doesn't look much like it. But let's move on to the deeper bench players and then this game against the Pacers. It was a game that demonstrated the power of the three-pointer. The Grizzlies were far outgunned talent-wise, playing against all-star DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner and you know a bunch of Pacers regulars, Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, their first-round pick, Chris Duarte. The Grizzlies, despite resting other guys, they hung in it because they knocked down threes. They outscored the Pacers by 33 points on three-pointers. And there's been many times over the past several seasons where the Grizzlies are on the wrong end of that, where the other team made 16 threes and the Grizzlies only made five. Well, this time, the Grizzlies made 16, the Pacers only made five, and because of that, the Grizzlies almost pulled off this massive upset. I mean, going down the stretch, the Pacers had the people they started. They were doing their own dress rehearsal, I guess. They wanted to get the victory. The Grizzlies were rolling with Sam Merrill and Jarrett Culver and Zaire Williams and Sante Aldama. And despite the fact the Pacers did pull out the victory, just it's encouraging stuff for all those young guys. We got to talk about Sam Merrill. He scored 30 points. Talk about seizing your opportunity. I haven't mentioned the battle for the last roster spot in a little bit. You know, I think most people assumed it was going to come down between Chris Dunn and Sam Merrill. I got to say, I was early on that saying, I think it would come down to the last two spots where you throw Jarrett Culver in there. Jarrett Culver has had some very painful stretches this preseason. There are economic factors that give Jarrett Culver like the advantage for keeping his roster spot because he's got that big salary over $6 million that you can then use for matching purposes in trades. But this front office, if they've already mapped out that they're probably not going to get involved with any big trades this year, if you're just thinking about who's going to help us on the court the most, I think Culver would be the guy cut. I think he made his first two three-pointers of the preseason and his one for his last 11. I should probably look that up. I don't know that for a fact. I know he made two pretty early in his debut, but so far in the preseason, he's six for 22 from the field. This is a guy who we knew was terrible at shooting. Okay, can he provide a spark? Like he made a nice block against the Pacers, but can he provide any offensive spark? No, he's shooting 27% from the field. 23% from three. Like what are you supposed to do with that? Chris Dunn had this dental procedure and has missed the last few games. We know in the first preseason game that Chris Dunn got in the game before it was suspended for the sprinkler issue in FedEx Forum. So it seemed like Chris Dunn was ahead of him in the pecking order already. Chris Dunn, a much more established and proven NBA player. So we think Chris Dunn can actually help the Grizzlies on the court. The question was going to be, what about Sam Merrill? Would they keep him just for his shooting prowess? Having a guy that we know is a knockdown shooter. Sam Merrill just went nutty and made eight three-pointers in this game. That is taking your opportunity. He got the start. He scores 30 points, 8 of 13 from deep. Just a big performance from Sam Merrill. His, also, his defense is not bad. He might be a little bit bigger than people think he is, and he, and he uses that size pretty well. I feel like contesting guys at the rim, uh, he does a pretty good job of hanging with his, his guy. So, like, would Sam Merrill and Chris Dunn make the final roster over Jarrett Culver? I think it's highly possible. Does Chris Dunn maybe want to find a different opportunity 
and he expresses that to the front office, that's, that's another factor that we don't have any information on or no way to know. Like, does Chris Dunn say, you know what, I'd rather go play somewhere else. Would you mind releasing me? I could imagine the Grizzlies doing that. Merrill's on a minimum salary, not that useful for trade purposes. But Sam Merrill, you know, showed the shooting off movement, shows he can handle the ball, maybe be an emergency point guard. That's a lot of utility. And that might be some versatility that the Grizzlies want to keep on the roster. So maybe it's a bit of an upset, but if it's just talking about basketball, you know, Jared Culver might be the guy cut. If Merrill gets waived, you wouldn't think he'd be available like to go join the hustle. You would think another team might scoop him up. I mean, thinking about Culver, my notes for this game were uh, like Culver had a great dunk where he drove down the lane, uh, put a dunk right on Gogi Patadze's head. But like my note for this game was Culver's being extremely terrible. Just really horrific looking shots. Really bad turnovers. He's running a pick and roll. He's running a play. He just throws it right to the other team, not really looking up and seeing what's going on. I will say I haven't really recognized Aldama. Aldama has been making huge strides. In that Hawks game, what I think he finished with 16 points, nine rebounds. I didn't really talk about him, but you know, like he was doing some things despite being very awkward. He ended up with a nice handful of plays. And then in this game against the Pacers, you see him getting a little more comfortable. You see him getting those defensive rebounds and dribbling the ball up the court. You see him a little bit in more control. That was another thing that was very noticeable about this game. Everyone who gets the defensive rebound just goes. There is no looking for the point guard. They have eliminated, hey, let's look for the point guard to get the ball up the court. If you get the rebound, you're supposed to go up the court and attack. And Aldama did this a, a few times where he made some nice assists. His head up, he found uh, he found Conchar cutting before. Um, he threw a bounce pass from near midcourt that found Merrill in the paint. So we're seeing the passing opportunity of Aldama the play creation from him, and he's starting to make some shots. He's knocking down some corner threes. He scored on a post move. He and fellow first-round pick Zaire Williams, they had a stretch where they scored on five consecutive Grizzlies possessions, that it was just Aldama and Zaire. They scored 12 consecutive points for the Grizzlies on five straight possessions. Zaire made a pull-up three, a really nice one. He made two threes in this game. The one I liked the most was he caught it, Pump faked, repositioned, and went up smoothly in rhythm and swished it. It, it was the most relaxed and natural-looking three-pointer that I've seen Zaire Williams take and make. So Zaire started scoring in this game. He had 13 points, I believe, in the first half. So that was promising. But this, mo- this little stretch where Williams hit a three, then Aldama hits a three, then Williams hit like a little self-created mid-range shot and then Aldama comes and creates kind of like a 10-foot little shot and it was like okay maybe the Aldama pick was not a complete whiff and maybe Zaire can contribute he's still totally lost on defense both of them actually both of them are still pretty rough man-to-man defense guarding their guy preventing penetration we've seen some blocks they're both blocking shots getting some steals which is good Williams seems like he contests 
jumpers pretty nicely, but when a guy drives on them, they're just fouling, putting their hands all over them. That's something they will get out of their game. But you you saw a lot that you could like from the rookies in this game. Also, Killian Tilly looked very nice. You know, your two-way player right there. Eve Pons, a couple more blocks. He made a corner three. I mean, just a bunch of guys were making corner threes, and it was a it was a good showing from those bench guys. Honestly, you could say like Xavier Tillman was disappointing. If you want to highlight one regular player who has been disappointing, it's going to be Tillman. I know I said basically the top 11 guys have all been good, but like Tillman's play, his shot, which I've mentioned before, his touch is bad. It just is. And he's looked way more out of sorts on his three-pointer. Maybe he's trying to try out more threes and be more comfortable. You know, he wants to have that green light because Taylor Jenkins wants everyone to shoot the open three without hesitation when it comes to them. And I feel like he hasn't looked totally comfortable doing that. And his overall field goal percentage is is bad. He's only made a third of his shots in the preseason. Two for 10 from three. He's also passing up three-pointers. The rest of his game has been there. You know, the defense, the rebounding, the assists, setting guys up. We're seeing the Tillman we know. But I think flat out, Brandon Clark has outplayed him in this preseason and you don't want to read too much in just a handful of games, but like Tillman's shot has been rough and like, could you see him out of the rotation with like a Brandon Clark at the five on the second unit? I don't know. So if there is maybe one disappointment of all of preseason, um, Xavier Tillman has not been the best or not played up to a standard that we know he can play. As far as the deep cuts on the roster, you probably noticed that uh, the Grizzlies have been filling out kind of the G league roster there was that preseason game where Shaq Buchanan got in with the second unit, and then the next day they waved Shaq Buchanan, uh, and they brought in Romeo Weems, and then Romeo Weems played in the last couple of games. Now they've waved Romeo Weems, brought in Ahmad Caver and Matthew Hurt, who is a Duke player, scratching that Duke itch that Zach Kleiman has had over his couple seasons in Memphis. The Grizzlies also waved Sean McDermott to make that happen. Sean McDermott, the two-way player from last year. Sean played summer league with the Grizzlies, looked pretty good, and then was too banged up in the preseason to get out on the court. So here they're just cycling through these guys who are going to end up on the Memphis Hustle and giving them a little bit extra money by signing them to these Exhibit 10 deals and such for the preseason. It has no real effect on the rest of the roster and the final roster decision, which we uh, will find out very, very shortly. Also, the time for Jaron Jackson Jr. to sign an extension is coming to a close. Like I've always maintained, I don't think it's that likely, but we'll see. We will find out very, very shortly. And I'll close with this. The Dylan Brooks injury, the way it affects the regular season, it does, I think, it hurts the Grizzlies as, as optimistic as I am about you know, Melton's play and Bain's play and the way Conchar's looked and then just how good all the other Grizzlies players have been. Dylan's a good player. Dylan helps his team out and Dylan guards the best players on the other team. And the Grizzlies have a difficult start to the regular season. Their opening night, like you know, is against the Cavaliers. Not a ton is expected from the Cavaliers this year, but opening night is tough. All the games are a toss-up, essentially. Teams don't know they're bad yet. Everyone's excited. Like, it's not a guarantee that the Grizzlies are going to beat the Cavaliers on opening night. If you don't win that game, then you have this daunting West Coast trip coming up. So the Grizzlies start the season on Wednesday, October 20th. Then they embark on a West Coast road trip. They play the Clippers. 
then the Lakers, then the Trailblazers. So if Dylan Brooks comes back after that early into that assessment of, of being assessed after two to three weeks, maybe Dylan Brooks would be available for the fourth game against the Blazers or the fifth game against the Warriors. If he's out for that full three weeks, like they mentioned, he's going to miss the games against the Clippers on the road, against the Lakers on the road, against the Trailblazers on the road, against the Warriors back home against the heat. Then they play the nuggets on back-to-back games. Like that is a very difficult start to the year. After the Cavaliers, you have seven consecutive games against teams projected to make the playoffs, and five of them are part of a road trip. That's tough. And to not have Dylan for that, you know, that sets you back a little bit. Not saying the Grizzlies can't persevere. They won against all expectations last year on long road trips and through very daunting segments of the schedule. Will they do it for a third consecutive year? I certainly hope so. I am very optimistic. Anyway, thanks for listening to these episodes. I appreciate you sticking out a slightly longer one. Hope you're having a good one. Talk to you soon. Go Grizz.